Thank you, Missy. Wonderful job. Well, Debbie and I are enjoying our sabbatical time, but uh, I got to tell you, it feels a little weird not being here. And it feels even weirder sitting in a congregation somewhere and listening to somebody else speak, but it's a, it's a joy and a privilege. We have a special guest with us this morning. Dr. Don Elmore and his wife, beautiful wife, Lona, are with us this morning. Brother Don pastored the Temple Baptist Church in Springdale, Arkansas for 37 years. He just retired, and uh, we're glad to have him here as our special guest this morning. Listen attentively as he preaches. Welcome him, if you would, please. Thank you, buddy. Well, I'm glad to be here. Kind of like home, seems like. I feel like I'm at home when I'm here. And uh, so it's a blessing to be here with, uh, and to have the added blessing of Brother John and Debbie being, uh, being here today. And uh, I tell you what, if I, uh, uh, let me say a word to all of our guests here today. If I lived in driving distance, a First Baptist Church in Bologna, that's where I'd go to church. I'm just saying. And so uh, I'm glad you're here too. And uh, so we're going to, uh, we had a great time. The music is wonderful. I love every bit of it. And so I'm looking forward to getting to preach. I've been sitting some, listening to my associate for 11 years is now my pastor. I'm glad that I was good to him all that 11 years. Uh, and he's been good to me, and the church has been uh, great to us, and we're about to get everything. Uh, my wife was a church secretary for many years, and so we're about, I got, it was easier for them to replace me than it was for her, and if you've been around the church very long, you'll understand that. I don't know what we'd do without church secretaries, but anyway, uh, we're about to work out of all of our responsibilities uh, there, and, uh, and be free, uh, retired, pastoring. But I kept my Sunday school class, and I kept my Tuesday connection, and uh, I get phone calls every once in a while say, Preacher, what do we do about this, and what do we do about this? So I can't be too far from home, but I'm enjoying, really, really enjoying it's good to see Josh and Angela here this morning. God bless you guys on their way to England. And uh, we got to share with their family for a, a while there in Springdale. I was thinking the other day, how would it be if we quit training soldiers as a country? What would happen if we decided we're no longer going to train any more soldiers? When these die off that we've got, we won't have any more soldiers. Uh, we've been hearing a lot about uh, all of these uh, terrorist groups, and uh, we have a security team even at our church now uh, in case somebody comes around. You better not come to the Temple Baptist Church and, uh, and act like you want to do something bad, they'll take you down <laughs> in about a half a shake. Uh, 
And uh, it's something that we have to have things like that, isn't it? But if we didn't have our military, and if we didn't have our police departments, where in the world would we be as a nation? Well, I think it's pretty obvious where we'd be. We would no longer be a nation. Am I right about that? Without our military and without our police departments, we would no longer have a nation. We'd be overtaken uh, by our enemies uh, who would like to overtake us anyway. And the only thing that's keeping them from overtaking us is that they're not strong enough to do it. And I'm glad that we are a strong nation. And I'm glad that we're a free nation. And I'm glad that we're free to do what we want to do as far as the Lord's work is concerned. And uh, if we didn't have uh, that kind of protection and leadership, uh, we wouldn't be having church this morning. If it's left up to the uh, enemies of our country, uh, they'd cut our heads off if they could, thought they, they could get by with it. That leads me to what I'd like to talk about this morning as far as the church is concerned. You know, when we quit training soldiers in our church, spiritual soldiers, the same principle is true there. That we will no longer have a church because the enemy is out to destroy our churches. So we continually are training new soldiers and we're continually training people to do the ministry uh, that God has, uh, 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 that God wants all of us uh, to perform. But let me, uh, let me share something that I think will maybe put a light on, on what I want to say. Uh, probably most of you have heard of John MacArthur, a preacher out in California. Uh, John was telling a story uh, about when he was in college. And he said that uh, while he was in college, he was a part of a track team uh, that uh, were doing very well uh, running. And they were in a tournament, uh, and uh, he, was a, uh, he was a third Actually, he was the second person in a three-man mile relay. And so the gun went off, and that first guy took off. Man, I'm telling you, he was setting the woods on fire. And then he made his way around to where John was, and John took the baton, and he took off. And he did as good as he's ever done, he said. And, and then he handed the baton to the third man. And he was the fastest man of the three. Uh, and he got uh, about halfway through his portion of the, the relay race and stopped running, walked over to the infield, and sat down. Well, John thought he had either pulled a hamstring or twisted his ankle or something. He ran over there to him. He said, man, what's wrong? What's wrong? What's wrong? We've got, we, we got to win this race. And the guy said, you know what? I just decided I didn't want to run anymore. <laughs> right in the middle of the race, I just decided I didn't want to run anymore. 
And he said, but you don't understand. Our coaches have put their life into you. Our school is at stake. We're, uh, our name is at stake. We have the opportunity uh, to win it all here. And you have decided in the middle of the race that you don't want to run anymore. And I thought about that and come up with this conclusion. That's one of the problems we have in our churches. Guys just decide after a period of time or whatever the case may be, we just don't want to run anymore. We just let somebody else do that. We are, we're fine, we're happy, we're doing good, and we don't want to uh, run anymore. I think it is important that we understand if the church is going to continue and it's going to continue to be strong and it's going to continue to be powerful that we must continue what has made us strong and powerful or we will lose what we've got. Amen? I'm used to... When I do that, say amen. Amen. All right. Amen. Okay. That'll make me... Uh, you know, if I don't hear any amens, I'll preach for an hour. But, but if I hear a few amens, I can get done quick. <laughs> I thought that would be good. <laughs> Open your Bibles to 2 Timothy. 2 Timothy chapter 2. 2 Timothy chapter 2, beginning in verse number 1. Thou therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that's in Christ Jesus. And the things that thou hast heard of me among many witnesses, the same commit thou to faithful men who shall be able to teach others also. Now the passage goes on to talk about enduring hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. Enduring hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. As we think about training men for the work of God and how important that it is in the local church that we do that, it is as important as our nation training soldiers to protect our country, or more important. I want you to look at that one word, therefore, and every time you see the word therefore, you ask yourself the question, what's it there for? It is there for what's just been said, beginning in verse 11, where he says, Whereunto I'm appointed a preacher and an apostle and a teacher of the Gentiles, for the which case I also suffer these things. Nevertheless, I'm not ashamed, for I know whom I have believed, and I'm persuaded that he is able 
to keep that which I've committed unto him against that day. Hold fast to the form of words which thou hast heard of me in faith and love which is in Christ Jesus. That good thing which was committed unto thee, keep by the Holy Ghost which dwelleth in us. This know, this thou knowest, that all they which are in Asia are turned away from me, of whom are Phygelius and Hermogenes. The Lord give mercy unto the house of Onesiphorus, for he oft refreshed me and was not ashamed of my chain. But when he was in Rome, he sought me out very diligently and found me. The Lord grant unto him that he may find mercy of the Lord in that day, and in how many things he ministered unto me in Ephesus thou knowest very well. Therefore, therefore, my son. Now, uh, how many of you have sons? Hold your hand up real high. You have sons. Isn't that great? My sons all turned out to be daughters. I have three daughters. I don't have any sons. I do have son-in-laws, but that's not quite the same. Almost. My son... I have eight sisters. My dad thought every one of them was going to be a son, and all eight of them turned out to be girls. I have eight sisters. But I have one brother. I was 16 when he was born, and I left home when I was 17, so I didn't get to know him very, very well. But sons are very important. I want you to see what God is saying to us here about son. Thou therefore my son... What we know about this passage is that Timothy was not Paul's biological son. Yet, he referred to him as son. We believe he was Paul's spiritual son. His spiritual son, because Paul led him to Christ. You know... uh, there, uh, there are and must be a lot of spiritual sons that are, that are born again into the ministry and mentored by men who have been mentored by men who have been mentored by men. And when we stop that process, we're going to lose our effectiveness as a church. My son... He says, and by the way, this was not the only son that Paul had. In Philemon 1.10, he says, I appeal to you to show kindness to my child, Onesimus. My child, Onesimus. I became his father in the faith while I was here in prison. I'm wondering this morning, as a believer in Jesus Christ, how many spiritual sons you have that you have led to Christ and mentored to take your place when you can no longer function. You know, we're just one generation away from extinction. And if we're, if we're not busy uh, developing sons in the ministry, our ministry is not going to last very long. 
Titus 1.4 says, I'm writing to you, Titus, my true son in the faith. Uh, Pastor, that challenges my true son in the faith. I know your pastor well. I know he spent years, decades doing just that and has sons both in the church and out of the church and on the mission field even. I'm writing, Paul says in First uh, Corinthians 4, I'm not writing these things to shame you, but I'm writing to warn you as my beloved children. The church is a family. And I think I, I know I can speak for your pastor. He looks at you as his family, as his children. We have kids ourselves and and I'm glad that the Lord has allowed me to stay in the church there in Springdale. But he says in verse 15, For even if you had 10,000 others to teach you about Christ, you have only one spiritual father. For I became your father in Christ Jesus when I preached the good news to you. If the church is a family, and I believe that it is, I believe that your pastor, figuratively speaking, would be the the father of that family. And I appreciate very much the way you're loving him and taking care of him. That doesn't happen very often. But every one of us, uh, as men especially, men of God, desires Sons. We all want to have sons. A few years ago, I, uh, I ordered a bunch of, uh, of these, what we call reminder bands. Reminders. It's simply a reminder. On one side, it says, man of God. On the other side, it says, be one and make many. Now, I'm not... I'm not uh, Boasting about being a man of God, that is simply a reminder band of what I should be and of what I should be doing. I should be a man of God and I should not only be one, but I should make many. That is the great commission, that is the responsibility of the church uh, and the men of the church as we serve the Lord together. I wonder how many sons you have that you have birthed spiritually into the family of God and into the church family, and then you don't birth them and leave them, but you mentor them and you train them and you love them and you help them and you encourage them And before long, they're doing the same thing for someone else. And that's what Paul is talking about in 1 Timothy 2. Thou therefore, my son. And what did he say to him? He said, I want you to be strong in the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. 
Uh, church, if, if, uh, if there's one thing that all of us need to strengthen in our own life, it is to be strong in the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. And here is what prevents us from being as strong as we could be in the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. And it is the idea that we are strong on our own. We'll never be strong in the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ until we are weak in ourself. Until we need God. Sometimes we are so, we can flex our biceps and we are so strong and, and we can do so many things that we don't need God's grace, we think. We'll never, experience, we'll never be strong in the grace of God until we are weak in self. And depending totally on the Lord Jesus Christ. Self-sufficiency will never cut it. It'll never get the job done. It'll never work. We'll never be developing sons if we're self-sufficient. But we need God in our lives. And to the extent that we think we are strong, we will not rely on the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. We'll not rely on His sufficiency. We'll not rely on His power. We're relying on our own ability and on our own power. And that is what keeps us from being strong in the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. And so he says, be strong in the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. First, 2 Corinthians 1.9 says, Indeed, we had the sent, sentence of death within ourselves so that we would not trust in ourselves, but God who raises the dead. We, uh, if we're going to be strong in the grace of of our Lord Jesus Christ. We've got to be weak in our self-sufficiency and we have got to depend totally on God who raises people from the dead. We'll only be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus to the extent that we are weak in ourselves and cast ourselves totally on the all-sufficient hand of the Lord Jesus Christ. Sometimes when we hear a message like this, or we hear things like this, we'll say, well, well I can't do, I, I can't, I, I can't lead someone to Christ. I can't mentor someone. I can't do, I can't, I can't. And the devil is rejoicing. Because what he knows is that you could, if you were strong in the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, and weak in your self-sufficiency. Are you with me? Yes. Paul had an amazing uh, ministry. He had an amazing life. And uh, he had an amazing family because of the grace. You remember, uh, Paul had this thorn in the flesh. I I don't know what it was. But it was bad, whatever it was. It was bad. And so he prayed and asked God to take this thorn away from him. Whatever it was, please take this pain away from me. And the Lord said, no. 
Now, there's a, whole, there's a vast uh, amount that we could say about hearing no. You know, we don't like to hear that word. But when we're strong in the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, we're just excited about hearing no as we are about hearing yes when we're strong in the grace of our Lord. So the Lord said to Paul, no, I'm not going to take that away from you. I'm not going to take that thorn away from you. And what did Paul, how did Paul respond? Well, Lord, if you love me, you'd know. Well, Lord, I'm going to suck my thumb. No, well, Lord, how am I going to, what am I going to, I can't do. No, that's not what, that's not what Paul said. The Lord said, get this now, my grace is sufficient for you. Had you rather be free or full of grace? Had you rather be free of problems or full of grace? The Lord said, my grace is all you need. My grace is sufficient. I'm all you need. And how did Paul respond to that? No. He said, most gladly, therefore, will I rather glory in my infirmities that the power of God may rest upon me. Pretty good swap. Pretty good trade. Have you ever been in a place where if, if God didn't come through, you were through? Have you ever been in a place where you had to totally rely on God and His will and his plan. <clears throat> Thou therefore, my son, be strong in the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. And through grace, we can pass our faith along to others. Through grace, we do that. 2 Timothy 2, 2 says, You have heard me teaching things that have been confirmed by many reliable witnesses. Now, teach these truths to others, trustworthy people who will be able to pass them on to them. Now, here we have the, the, the job description of the men and the women of God in our churches today who want to have a church for their grandkids to attend. I want a church, a good church, for my grandkids to attend. That's why we have Sunday school teachers. That's why we have leaders. That's why we have men. <clears throat> That's why we send soul-winning groups across the country, evangelism groups across the country. We want to get people saved, and equally important, we want to get them discipled so that they, in turn, will be able to get someone else saved and get them discipled. It's what Paul is talking about here. It's the ministry of the church. It's to get people saved and get them discipled to the point that they can get somebody saved and lead them uh, in a discipleship program. So, <clears throat> we have an opportunity this morning. We have a responsibility this morning. We have an awesome responsibility this morning. My question for all of us would be this. You got any sons? 
How many sons do you have? How many sons are you training? How many people would look to you this morning and say, this is my father in the ministry? How many people could look to you and say, I wouldn't be saved if it wasn't for this person? I wouldn't be in church today if it wasn't for this person. Oh, what a responsibility. So my son, be be strong in the grace that is in the Lord Jesus Christ. And the things that you have heard of me, faithfully teach them to other men that they may be able to teach others also. That is the responsibility that all of us have this morning. So, as we think about our responsibility, why is this a top priority, or why should this be a top priority? Jesus said in Matthew twenty-two thirty-seven, You must love the Lord, your God, with all of your heart, all of your soul, all of your mind, and this is the first and greatest commandment, not suggestion. A second is equally important. Love your neighbor as yourself. Matthew 28, 19 says that we are to go and make disciples in all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you, and be sure of this, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. I agree with Rick Rick Warren on this subject. Rick says that a great commitment to the Great Commission and the Great Commandment will grow a great church. Now, we have a great church here this morning. For it to remain so, we must be strong in the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the things that has brought us up spiritually, we need to pass them along to others who can do the same thing over again. So, the context here from Paul exhorting Timothy is that of being a fruitful Christian. Being fruitful Christian. You know what John says in chapter 15? He says, if you'll abide in me and I in you, you will bring forth much fruit because without me, you can do nothing. And so we rely totally on God to be a fruitful Christian, to be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. And it will cause us to revel often in the amazing grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. It'll sustain us through any kind of problem. It'll sustain us through any kind of situation. It will flow through us to other people. It will attract them to the Lord Jesus Christ because of His grace. It's extremely attractive, by the way, to the outsiders. And I pray that this morning we will get a glimpse of what could happen in our lives if we were strong 
in the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and weak in our own eyes about ourselves. Would you bow with me in prayer? Now this morning, I've been speaking mainly to Christian people. Christian people about our responsibility with the grace of God in our own lives. If you're here this morning and you've never been born again, you've never been saved, you're not a Christian. You know, we love you. God loves you. And you're not here by accident. You're here by grace. Grace has brought you here. And the Bible says, for by grace are you saved through faith. And that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God. If you would recognize that you are lost, that you are not a Christian, you could become a Christian by faith this morning by receiving the gift of salvation. It's a gift, not of works, lest any man should boast. I'd like to encourage you to do that. We're going to sing a verse of invitation here in just a minute. And I'd like to encourage you to think about your relationship to God as to whether or not you're on your way to heaven. And then especially, guys, men, let me have your heart for a second. Are you, like a, are you like the runner in the relay race? I just don't want to run anymore. I'm tired. Oh, man, do we have a big responsibility. And if we're not fulfilling that responsibility, we're saying we don't care whether we have a church for our grandkids or not. But we do. And let me encourage you this morning uh, to revitalize your heart and your soul in the grace, the abundant grace of our Lord Jesus Christ by recognizing your weakness and recognizing God's strength and allow him to do something through you that he would never do to you. Let's pray. Father, we see this morning our need. Our need as Christian people is to be full of grace. And we know that that need is met when we are totally abandoned to self. I've been crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ lives in me. In the life that I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. God, I thank you for First Baptist Church in Bologna. Thank you for John Handy. I thank you for this beautiful family. And I pray that you would encourage each one of us this morning, right here in the middle of summer, to accept the challenge of being strong in the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. And for those who are not Christians, that they might accept you this morning by faith. You said believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you can be saved. So we trust you this morning with these truths. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Let's stand to our feet.